This is Retrospective Facilitation, a podcast for facilitators that want to make their retrospectives even more effective. Listen to industry experts, authors, and executives that advocate powerful retros, share their stories and insights on how to reflect, adjust, and become more effective. To receive updates on the latest episodes, subscribe to our newsletter at thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com and win a chance to ask questions to our guests. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, we will talk about the Retrospective Facilitators Gathering, or RFG, an annual open space conference started in 2002 by an idea of Norman Kurth, where people discuss retrospective facilitation techniques and everything that connects to it. This is a very small conference with usually between 20 to 30 people. Why would you spend one week on a conference dedicated to retrospective facilitation? I attended these years, uh, 2019, and in this episode I chat with four other attendees and we will tell you what we got out of it. All right, so this episode I have four guests and we were all together at the RFG, which is the Retrospective Facilitators Gathering in Massachusetts in 2019. And I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. We're gonna have an informal chat about what the Retrospective Facilitation Facilitator Gathering is. And I'm gonna start from uh, Fight. Do you wanna go first? Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, my name is Veit Richter from Germany. Um, I'm working there for the uh, company Emendare, uh, which is Latin. <laughs> and working there as an agile coach for many different companies, working as Scrum Master, um, training Scrum Masters, and working together with teams and developing teams. Nice. Um, and how many RFG did you participate? This uh, 2019th uh, RFG was my second RFG now. Nice. Uh, George, you want to go next? I'm George Dinwiddie. I'm an independent consultant. I work uh, frequently as a coach and trainer for uh, software development companies, uh, mostly in the agile space, but not limited to that. And um, uh, Esther Derby invited me to my first RFG in, in 2009. And I've, uh, except for the tw- 2010 one, which was in uh, disrupted by the volcano in Iceland, travel was disrupted. I've been to all the all the others since then. Cool. I know. Did you want to go next? Yes. I'm an independent consultant as well, and I work as an agile coach for different companies, mostly IT companies. I also teach how to teach computer science at the university and this was my fifth retrospective facilitators gathering i started in 10 and since i live in denmark i was not disrupted by the volcano <laughs> nice and malte do you want to go yeah my name is malte um i'm an independent consultant as well uh, focusing on coaching teams and providing trainings around agile practices And for me, it was the second RFG I managed to attend, even though it was the fourth RFG where I had travels planned to. Oh, nice. (laughs) What happened to the other two? Was the volcano involved? Uh, No, no volcanoes involved. Uh, Just life got into the way. (laughs) Fair enough. Cool. And I'm Enrico. So I work at Pivotal Labs. I'm a, a 
sort of manager that. And uh, this was my first RFG. So we have like uh, a few angles of, of like uh, different point of views of people that are more like seasoned veterans of this. And uh, we're going to, in this episode, just like chat about this 2019, uh, what we got out of it, and uh, maybe compare it with the other years. What's the spirit of this um, retrospective facilitators gathering? So um, I'll, I'll start. I've been, I've been coming to this a long time, and, and this is one of my favorite conferences. Um, the, uh, the group of people, um, I understand that before 2009, it was not always a congenial gathering. But in my experience, it's, it's really been great. Uh, people who really want to share, learn from each other, um, and uh, want to want to you know kind of raise up everybody and, and support everybody, and I love that. Cool. And is it learning about uh, retrospectives, facilitation, agile? Is that like a uh, a generic topic? Well, it's it's centered around retrospectives. Um, you know, but other things come up naturally in the course of things, you know, sometimes it goes, you know, a session will go off onto, you know, uh, particular types of facilitation skills, um, things, you know, things that are, um, connected it, it being an open space conference. I think that one of the keys of making open space conferences work is that the participants have, a, you know, have a passion for the topic of the conference. Nice. Um, and maybe and, like for uh, someone in the audience that hasn't uh, attended like an open space conference before, can you briefly like describe um, how how does it work? What is an open space conference? So so it's based on Harrison Owens' open space technology, and you can find some great stuff online about it. But but in short, it's a participant-run conference. Um, the uh, you know the, the space there's there's sort of a, a, an envelope. A facilitator will will open the space, and then within you know help get things started. Within that, then uh, the participants um, propose topics and choose a, a time and a location, and that can can vary over time. Um, nice. And people people come to them who are also interested in that. If no one else is interested in that, then then uh, you know, the, the convener of that topic can either sit and think about it themselves or they can go on to something else. Um, it, sometimes nice. another topic runs long and so there's, you know, other people are busy. Nice. And you go to where the, the energy is for you. Nice. So this was, I can talk as being for the first time at RFG and also for the first time being in open space. And I remember reading before coming along that uh, it was self-organized. I was like, uh, I was just excited to honestly meet other retrospective facilitators. So I didn't know what to expect. And uh, I kind of went in thinking, well, worst comes to worst, I'm just like spend a week uh, in the in the bushes in Massachusetts and do some hikes. But I have, <laughs> I have never, never learned so much in such a short time. The fact that uh, you open up this circle on, on the first day where we learn about each other's and then like people just, like you said, people that are passionate about something put ideas that they want to talk about during the week. There is some organization because there was like guidelines uh, by people that were organizing the open space. 
but uh, it was really incredible to have people just like oh someone talked about this thing oh maybe it's going to be interesting to talk about this other thing and we have this marketplace i'm going to put the photo of that marketplace on uh, on the on the on the website so that people can can see that um cool maybe i'm going to go around and ask uh, what was the favorite um or what was one of the session how about one of the session maybe you talked about in rfg uh, one of the session you proposed and one of the sessions you liked, so maybe the audience can understand what kind of like um, thing uh, came out. Maybe I'm going to start from uh, uh, Malti. Yeah, so um, a session which I proposed uh, where I got valuable feedback and was uh, for a platform we are planning to provide to the community um, for facilitators. Um, who want to get feedback on their facilitation, especially with a focus on retrospectives and how they can actually string multiple retrospective exercises as part of the retrospective together, given a certain um, background and certain level of team knowledge, let's put it that way. And this tied very nicely into a session which I attended, which was the session about how to run different retrospectives depending on the agile fluency level and uh, the agile fluency level of those teams. So that put an emphasis on A, depending on where your team is with regards to maturity, you have to run different kinds of exercises in the various stages of a retrospective. Um, so that those two tied in very nicely for me and left um, a lot of good memories. Nice. Ina, you want to go next? Yes. Uh, so I I proposed a session called Inclusive Collaboration Experiments. It was based on a book I have made by Dr. Self Rodenberg and Catherine Kirk. And it really has nothing to do with retrospectives. And that's one of the things I like about the gathering as well, that some of them are focused primarily on retrospectives and activities you do there and how to facilitate them. But this one was more about people. It was about how you, how you can be inclusive to neuro, neurodiversity, uh, people on the autism spectrum, people with ADHD, other kinds of neurodiversity how you can make work situations that feels better for them and how you can make, how you can facilitate meetings that feels good for everybody in the room and not just for the, the neural normal people. And I was, um, I was happy that I had a bunch of people actually turning up for this session because you never know when you set up a session. And especially if it's not, if it's not directly targeted to retrospectives, you can't be sure. But I had a, a good amount of people turning up, and I had some actual experiments taking place at the session. So we so we did something together, which I think was also kind of fun. So that was one that I did. And then what I do is that I I have a book with me, and I put down notes on all the things that I do. And one thing that I remember being at was um, the one about Nia and Pia, how to how to use more positive emotional intelligence instead of negative emotional intelligence and and i was really i was um the questions that he had for us for instance imagine you've achieved everything you wanted in this life how does it feel make me feel really good and i've started using those questions in my retrospective since the since the gathering i also promised myself at the gathering that i would read all the books that he made references to and i haven't opened one of them yet 
So it also comes with a bit of cat bad conscience, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's from it's by Kevin. I think he, he gave that talk. I'm gonna try and uh, we're trying to get him on on the show to to have a quick interview. There is actually a Coursera course that I started about that. By yeah, oh really? So, Wonderful. Yeah. More more yeah. bad conscience. Uh, it's um, it's a really really interesting topic. Uh, nice. Um, Fad, do you want to go next? What is one session that you proposed and one that you like? Uh, that's 2019. Yeah, sure. Um, one session I uh, proposed was a session about motivation and how to motivate people and teams. Um, <clears throat> where we it was more um, a little workshop where we played a little game to find out how to demotivate people it was quite funny and worked quite well. And uh, Diana Larson was attending as well. And we talked about um, how money can, can, but not um, solely um, be a motivator for people and stuff like this. And it was really, really cool. And we had a lot of fun there. Um, but one session I attended and uh, what what is also the, the special uh, spirit of the RFG for me was was just the walk to the waterfall. So we had some walk and talks, just uh, um, doing stuff together, which is not um, with a with a purpose uh, thought upfront, which is just just uh, go together and talk about something, and um, be in some kind of uh, feel like you're being part of a family. So also in the RFG, everybody knows the name of each other, uh, which is, there's a small exercise in the beginning and stuff. Um, this is the special spirit and just to walk around and having sessions which are not really planned is uh, something really cool and which I enjoyed there in 2019. Nice. Uh, George, you want to go next? What is one session you, you attended in RFG 2019, one you proposed? Okay, well, uh, what I proposed was the principles of people working together. And the goal of that was to, to uh, dig down to what makes people successful at working e with each other, whether in person or distributed you know, or virtually. Because uh, it seems to me that a lot of the tools available for helping people work together uh, try to impose things that in ultimately get in the way and they, they get really, they're not as supportive uh, people working together as a face-to-face -face environment is. So I thought it'd be interesting to try to figure out, you know, some, what are some of the principles where we can focus on what really works. And um, that, um, but one of the questions that, that really excited me, uh, while the uh, positive emotional attractors thing was, was uh, very good for me, the, the one that I, I really loved was one that Ainsley Nice did on, on the history of the gathering. Um, and the gathering started back in 2002. And the, the original intent of the gathering was to discover things about retrospectives that then could be shared with the world and increase the knowledge. And my focus since since I, you know, I've been going since 2009 has more been learning what other people have discovered and, and how to use it better. And it just, you know, the idea of, of digging deeper and creating new knowledge in the world uh, was really exciting to me. And so we, uh, we ended up, there was a follow-on session to that, that, that uh, to try to dig 
you know, what dig deeper and figure out, you know, what directions can we go? Um, and because this is not a, you know, a settled topic, this is not, you know, not everything that needs to be known about retrospectives is not known. And so there's room for exploration. And that, that was really exciting to me. Cool. Awesome. So I, I want to speak as like, again, a first attender. So I went in and uh, a while back, I, I, I gave a, a session about dissecting the Kurtz Prime Directive. And I really didn't know who was going to attend. I didn't know if like what I'm going to say, is it going to be obvious? And there's quite a few people attending. And what I really loved is that there was a lot of collaboration. And so like out of Prime Directive, we started like adding examples, things that people do, different ideas on how to like... Um, adapt what we were talking about so it was a really really great collaborative feeling and um i think as a as a newcomer that you may be like i'm sure about like hey is this going to be valuable i i got like a lot out of it uh and uh i wish i i attended more sessions but it's also and it's a very like i think if i mentioned that like this family feeling it's uh because it's a small group right because i think we were about 20 people or so and um, maybe someone wants to talk about the older ones. What was the uh, average attendance? And was it the same feeling as this 2019? I think they're all different. Um, the first one I was at in 2010, I was completely in awe because Norm Kurth was there. And uh, that's the thing that stood out for me was my discussions with him. And I I felt very humbled by that. But everybody just accepted everybody like that family feeling was great. And then I've I decided actually only to go to the ones in Europe because it's cheaper for me than going to the ones in the States. So this year was an exception for me. And I don't see the So every year so one year is in Europe, uh, yeah. the audience and one year is in the US. Is that correct? Yes. So the even years are in Europe and the uneven years are in the US, so that everybody has a chance to come. I, I don't think I saw a huge difference between the ones I saw in Europe and the ones I saw in the States, but I, I don't know. Maybe you have another opinion about that, George. Well, well the ones in Europe tend to be slightly larger. Um, okay. So I, my experience is that the ones in the U.S. tend to be around 20 people, and the ones in Europe tend to be more like 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that doesn't seem like a huge difference, but uh, percentage-wise, it's pretty big. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed. I tell you, I, I'm really glad that I started going to the European ones because, um, yeah, it's it's expensive travel, but it's been really worth it. Um, there are different groups of people because not everybody can afford to cross the Atlantic, or, or feels like crossing the Atlantic. Um, so you do get a different group of people, but there's also an overlap. There's some people that tend to be there every year. And that provides sort of a backbone to the culture, you know, that carries forward. When when is the next RFG? The next RFG, is, as far as I know, will be in um, March or April next year, 2020. And I have the honor to be part of the uh, organizing team. But currently, it's not uh, 100% decided where it is. Um, Currently, we're thinking about that it will uh, be in Prague, in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. um, in March or April. We will see. And looking forward to this one as well. Seeing all of you again. 
And uh, so one thing that struck me on, on this uh, RFG 2019 was we were kind of like in the middle of nowhere. We were like in a forest. And when I was in Australia, there was this thing called Rails Camp. And it was very similar. We just went in the middle of nowhere. We rented out this like space, like a, I think it was like a, a Boy Scout retreat. So these big dorm rooms and kitchen facilities. And we just stay there and do like Ruby and Rails stuff. And is that usual, the, the usual... Um, kind of like a space for, for RFG? And is that going to be like that in 2020? Can people expect to be in the, kind of like in the middle of nowhere in the bushes? Yeah, I guess um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixture. On the one hand, if you're in the middle of a big city, you have a lot of um, um, things to do and things to see, which may distract a bit of, about the topic itself. So I guess it's always a good idea to find some some place which is a little bit off but not too too far away um the location we are thinking about right now in the czech republic for example is like 20 or 30 kilometers out of um prague and it's in a huge castle and also a little bit out of, out of nowhere so you can concentrate on on retrospectives on on the rfg itself and also on the participants but as well uh, have the possibility to to take a day off or something like that, or add one or two days in the in the end to see something interesting, to get some 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 kind of vacation as well. Um, nice as part of your RFG journey. Nice. Do we have to wear medieval armors? <laughs> yes, you have. Of course. Totally can. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it needs to be some solid armor. Yeah. <laughs> I think also another thing that I see with the, the venues for the RFTs is that people always try to find a venue that's special. It's not just some hotel venue where all the walls are, are white and everything is the same size. I really like that as well. And also I, I go to a lot of conferences, but the RFTs are the only ones where I've had to hire a car almost every time because you just can't get there with public transport. Of course, in Denmark you could because in Denmark you can't, you can't find anywhere secluded because it's so incredibly small. But um, it's always nice for me to, to see where I have to rent a car again. Nice. I thought you were going to say because public transport is so perfect in that Ah, uh, yes. Well, that, of course. But it's easier to have public, public transport that's perfect when your country is so small. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, so um, does anyone have uh, anything else they want to share about the retrospective facilitators' uh, gatherings? I have something. Um, I brought somebody along this year who has just started facilitating retrospectives um, for about a year. And I think she was wondering whether she had anything to, to give to this community and if she had anything to share that would be valuable enough. Uh, so she didn't put up any sessions, but she was still very valuable to have there. So even if you think that you might not have anything genius that you want to share you can still be very valuable just entering into the discussions with your questions and your experiences even though you don't if you're not that experienced as the others nice in, in fact i think sometimes um having someone who's got fresh eyes on the topic is is something we can't reach otherwise yeah you know you you, you start forgetting um what we're how it was like when it was new to you and what wasn't yes. immediately obvious. Yeah. Nice. And maybe 
Like, yeah, the, the RFG is also a possibility to um, to brief some air of people uh, you always hear about and you always read about, but you never saw before. So the, as I said before, uh, Diana Larson and also Ainsley uh, were there at the last RFG. Last time in NotWeek, we also had the inventor, so to speak, of the three amigos. Um, principles some some people know and there's a lot of people um, you know or you saw or you heard about but you never saw them and because it's that kind of uh, family feeling it's just you can you can talk to everybody and feel like being part of of some let's say history there yeah it's uh, something really cool I which I really enjoy there yeah Monty, uh, do you want to share something before we move on to the next yeah, I can only second um, what Aino said, because um, the feedback I got from the people who have been there for the first time and who haven't been that much into perspectives before or started facilitating retrospectives, they learned a lot from the people present. And what was also a highlight was um, that they were able to look up to people who went through this journey and figure out for themselves what is it that they like about retrospectives in general and also the way of running retrospectives and this whole community. And that was a completely different part um, for those ones who were really new. And I can only second that it opens and broadens also our horizon who have been doing this for a couple of years now, because we're assuming certain things to be true. And especially if we're using the retrospective facilitator gathering to find out new things and find out new approaches, how the world can make better use of the tool. Um, it does help to sometimes have reality checks back with the groups and who are actually still in the beginning and in the trenches. Nice. So maybe someone in the audience is wondering, well, how do I participate? How does it work if you if you were like interested in going to an RFG? And uh, uh, yeah, first of all, like maybe it's hard for some people to find out about it. And uh, is that intentional? Is it like kind of like a, a secret conference? And how can you participate? <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't say it's secret, but it is small. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the space is limited. Um, the, the way the, the invitation process works is the people who've been to the uh, well, you have a different different organizer every year, so it kind of varies. It's a loose organization. There's no official organization, but typically the people who have been in the la to the last year or two get the first wave of invitations, and then uh, anybody who's ever attended an RFG before, um, and and then other and then invitations to other people who have expressed interest. Um, it used to be that the uh, retrospective Yahoo group was the way that, you know, one of the big ways that people found out about it. Um, uh, these days, that seems to have been sort of uh, surpassed by the, uh, there's a retrospectives LinkedIn group. 
Um, certainly, people could contact any of us, you know, to, to get get their name on the list. And it, word of mouth is how it happens more more often than not, I think. And uh, somebody, you know, will say to a friend, "Hey, I think you would be interested in this," or somebody's heard about it and says, "Hey, how do I get there?" And you know, their name is submitted to the organizers so that when the invitations go out, they receive an invitation. Yeah. So there's no public website where you can find it. Well, there there is. Uh, there's the wiki, and you can read it. Um, uh, retrospective facilitator, retrospective facilitators gathering org. I think it is. It's, yeah, but that's not used for um, signups or expressing your interest. If no. you want to attend the RFG because it is an invite event, you actually have to contact one of the people who have been at the RFG before, as you explained, George. Right, but that's a place where you can go to to get a little more idea about it um and uh it's it's a little creaky um there's been a lot of information lost over the years due to vandalism and uh, but you can see uh you know where the, the past gatherings have been some of the uh flip charts that, that were produced at those gatherings which may or may not be helpful for people and what is the cost is it like uh Five thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, ten dollars. It's cheap. So the major part of the cost is the lodging. Yeah, the art, the event itself last time was uh, for the for organizing and stuff around was forty three dollars, <laughs> the initial one. Um, but then of of course there's uh, the rooms and the coffee breaks and everything has to be uh, covered. But there's it's it's on a there's no uh, winning or no uh, no cut uh, included there, right, George? Yeah, it's um, you know it's not intended to make any money. The money left over from one RFG is passed on to the organizer two years later, so that the, you know it stays in the same currency, um, and uh, so that they can use it to put deposits down and things. Um, but there's there's really not not much there at all. Um, and we we tend to be um, clever as organizers in terms of trying to avoid making a lot of work for us. That's why if you're gonna stay at the RFG, the hotel has all the prices included, and you pay for the lodging, for the food, for the accommodation, all the hotel. And that's why the fee for the RFG itself is so cheap, because we spend it on post-its and flip charts and yeah. pens. Nice. Ooh. Actually, Martin and I had a conversation before attending, like uh, the, the, the hotel was not in the in the list of hotels that my company will be able to, to pay. And I was wondering, like, can I just stay in a different accommodation and just drive up? and it just wouldn't have made any sense to not be there with a group. So if you're thinking to, to do that, uh, it's not a good idea. It's better to be where everyone else is, is staying and, and enjoy the, the open space and the whole experience, which is during the day, but also like after the activities, we, we tended to kind of like, there was a bonfire, we had like drinks, we played games. So it's it's a whole, it's a, it's very different than uh, any other companies I've been at least. So. 
Um, cool. We're up with the half an hour. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we close up the recording? No, just if you're interested, I'd like to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put the uh, contacts of uh, whomever is uh, is able to to do that. So I'll, I'll put my contact for sure if people wants to are interested or want to attend. Um, thank you so much for um, for doing this, and I'll uh, I'll see all of you at the next uh, ROG in 2020 somewhere in Europe. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, Enrico. Goodbye, Thanks. everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to get in touch with some of our guests, head to thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com and you'll find our contact names there. If you'd like to be involved in the next RFG, which will be in Europe in 2020, feel free to message me on Twitter at agenteo or George as well. Uh, his contact will be on the this is retrospective facilitation page. Norm Kurt, known as the father of retrospectives and author of the book Project Retrospectives, suffered a disabling brain injury in a car accident 20 years ago. Visit thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash help Norm for details and a link on how to contribute to his fund. Thank you for listening. This is Enrico Teotti. Till next time.